For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, February 20th, 2021. Money Talks. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on radio, Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Justin Wagner. And, uh, guys, y'all ready to talk about some finance? Let's do it, Troy. Rock and roll. Glad to be here. Why not? Uh, Casey is a managing associate in the Hensler Financial Planning and implementation department, because what good's a plan without a little bit of implementation, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, KC holds the, uh, uh, you're going to have to, the certified exit planning advisor. That's good, yeah. Yeah. Designation, SEPA. Designation. There's As we right. so lovingly call it over here. SEPA, that's right. And he's also a CFP certificate. There you go. Got that one right, You too. got that nailed. Yeah, now I know Justin's got a designation in every dang time he's on this air. I forget what it is. Without fail. No respect. That's okay. That's no respect. Right. Sorry, Justin. AIF, Accredited Investment Fiduciary. Fiduciary, the big word. Big word in the yeah. right. retirement plan. What does that That's mean? Important. What, is, what does a fiduciary mean? That's a person who does the right thing. For the client, right? Which what's sounds, best for the clients? Sounds easy, right? Sounds well, like it's it, something you should do. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why do you so. need a designation for? Yeah. It? Well, why? Why do they even need to determine that somebody right. needs to be a fiduciary? Because uh, there's a whole lot of folks out there that might sell you something that is uh, suitable for your account, but uh, maybe not. Might not be the absolute best thing, That's right. right? But when it comes to retirement accounts. The Department of Labor has plenty to say about that, yes, being the fiduciary, right? That's correct. All right. Well, uh, Justin is actually uh, an advisor within our 401k, the Hensler Retirement Services uh, Division, and um, he talks to a whole lot of folks about their 401k on a daily basis. I do. All right. So uh, let's get to it, guys. Um, what do we have this week? Market up or down, was it? Market up, so How about that? I guess you guys another, were right. Another week right. There's been a lot of those lately. Yeah. There's been a lot of those. Yes, Troy will tell you he's right two-thirds of the time. That'd be pretty <laughs> good odds in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Market's up two-thirds of the Better time. than a weatherman, I suppose. Well, yeah, I, I think if it's if that's the only measure that I'm right. judged by at the end of the show, <laughs> saying it. whether or not the market's going to be up. Uh, market gained. Uh how much? I got the wrong sheet here. 0.34% over the past five days. Financials have led the way up 2.58%. Energy's up about 2%. Communication services up two-thirds of a percent. 
um, on the far end of the spectrum, utilities, real estate, and believe it or not, information technology was negative this week. Are we going to yeah. start to see a shift there? Um, well, I, I can tell you that valuations just look pretty rich in uh, technology. Yeah. They they have uh, led the way when uh, it seemed like uh, you know that might have been the only game in town when everybody's working virtually, staying right. at home. They got the internet. They might shop a little bit. Had some extra money in their pocket because a lot of folks who even while they weren't working were making more through unemployment than uh, they might have on their regular day job. Uh, I mean, it's up 35% over the last 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. um, So, I mean, at some point, that party's got to... Well, let's let's take a look at uh, the our favorite dog of last year, Energy. Right. Yes, up 20.45% year-to-date. Yeah, uh, and a is, whole lot of that came this month, yeah, February. Mm-hmm, yeah, so, I mean, we're, we are starting to see this rotation Shift. from yep. uh, kind of the, the higher growth sectors into more of a, you know, the value sector, if you will. And it it's, you know... That's why it's good to have diversification, right? Well, you're going to have <laughs> that's exactly no right. doubt. Yeah. Well, even the story was ugly coming into the year. We had a new president, you know, uh, starting January 20th, and one of the first acts he made drove fossil fuel through yeah, the roof. Exactly. Uh, you know, he he uh, said you can't use the uh, uh, Keystone, Keystone pipeline, pipeline anymore. And uh, what did that do? Yeah. Well, it, it kind of restricted Send, supply. And sends prices through the roof. When you restrict yeah. supply and demand is beginning to grow, um, next thing you know, you got prices that are expensive. And a uh, point that I've tried to make over, you know, multiple months now is uh, don't count out energy demand, fossil fuel crude oil type demand quite yet uh yet because most of the automobiles over 90 percent of the automobiles still sold in the united states have to put gas in the tank i didn't drive an electric car here today if it uh, makes i didn't you feel either better i didn't so, yet yeah, yeah not yet yeah. well here's the thing i i would love to have an electric car right i think they are the wave of the future but don't get too far ahead of yourself uh, investing is about cash flow mm-hmm. and while we love to see our cash flows grow, quite often what you find yourself looking at in the financial markets is the expectations of that growth get priced very dearly. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. Uh, and some of the things that are overlooked are those, you know, the older style companies, those that have lots of experience, uh, good management. We've seen you know they've they the boring old blue chips the, the boring old stocks that actually make those are the profit. names that got beat up last year absolutely yeah, and right. they're they're really performing outperforming i guess the market this year and yeah. and some of that is you know just a rotation that we would expect to see normally you mm-hmm. can't have this gap between growth and value stay as wide as it has been forever you right. wouldn't think and yeah. then you know, the other thing we're seeing now is interest rates are starting to creep up a little bit, especially yeah. on the long end of the curve. Exactly. So when interest rates go up, the price of bonds goes down, and the price of those bond proxies, which would be like a utility stock, real estate, uh, even consumer staples, which were flat last week, they were up 
but uh, you can argue flat, 0.01% higher. Yeah. Uh, Steepening steepening curve benefits financials as well. Um, Right. So, you know, that kind of makes sense there to see financials doing well. They're the second best performing sector on the year at at 8.74%. Yeah, and the winner over the last week, as I mentioned, over 2.5%. Increase in the valuation or the price. Well, if, if interest rates continue to, to go up at that, I mean, they're, let's face it, they're going up at a pretty pretty rapid pace. I mean, yeah, we saw them breach one and a quarter percent this week. I think touched 1.3 at one point. Yeah, and so eventually you would think that is, is that if that leads to, uh, if we start to see some inflation or at least the belief that there will be inflation and interest rates go up and the Fed. I mean, I think the Dallas Fed uh, chairman came out yesterday and said that uh, he didn't necessarily say the word taper, but he kind of implied it in some of the, the mm-hmm. rhetoric that he was using that that they need to kind of start thinking about pulling back some of the liquidity that they've that they've pumped into the market. I would expect that that would have a, a pretty negative impact on those high growth sectors where the they benefited from the cost of capital being so low over the past few years and then especially last year and then now if that starts to shift that would likely benefit kind of those those boring old well companies and you know last year those boring old companies weren't the sexy names that the people at home no. wanted to buy and trade no right. so yeah. i mean that's yeah. you know, that's the other part i think so many of the names that we saw driven up last year was the retail trade yeah. people opening up the robin hood accounts or yeah. their e-trade accounts and yeah. going in there and buying names that may not yeah. otherwise buy. And even that hit a hit a fevered pitch right. in the most uh, recent couple of months. Yeah, so, GameStop uh, and, yeah. All, yeah. and all of that yeah. craziness. Craziness, no doubt. That's where every, every other call I have is a somebody saying, did you buy me a GameStop? Yeah. Just jokingly, but... <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no funny. doubt. Well, uh, you know, one of the fears, and I'm sure this is what the, the Fed... Um, uh, chairman that you were talking about, or the Fed um, president? Yeah, the president <clears throat> yeah. was uh, was talking about. Um, the fear is inflation, right? And uh, prices seldom go down. Uh, they actually are managed to go a little bit higher, and it uh, helps, especially when you know that uh, many of the assets that we have in the United States and every household, even the household itself, the house, mm-hmm. uh, are are often financed. Um, when the value increases and you know there's leverage on it, you don't have people that just shrug their shoulders and go away. But as we saw in 2007 and 8, uh, if you ever have deflation and people have uh, debt on an asset that is now worth much less than they owe on it, they often decide, you know what, this is not worth it to me. Yeah. I'm going to just send the keys back. Walk That's away. When, yeah. That's when it gets so, ugly. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we did get a, a measure this week on the producer price index. Went from 0.3% in December uh, to 1. Um, I think it's 1.3% in January. Yeah, so uh, on a year-over-year basis, um, the prices are up 1.8%. If you look at... Uh, just the core, 2.3%. So if you take out food and energy, that's what you wind up with. Tell you what, guys, let's uh, take a real quick break. And when we come back, we'll have a dog of the week and we'll get into a financial situation. Stick around. Money Talks. We'll be right back.
This week is kind of the French government. All right, I you, like you this already. This? Yeah. this is a good start. Yeah. All right, so uh, I, I don't know if you guys knew this. I was absolutely astounded to find this out. Um, but during COVID, something has surfaced that uh, that I'm, I'm just absolutely beside myself. I didn't realize that it was illegal for the French, the average French worker, to eat lunch at their desk. They, hmm. did, did you guys know anything about this? Did not know that. So um, due to COVID, hmm. uh, a long-standing uh, prohibition on desk lunches has actually been lifted. Um, but then I think it's only if there are more than 50 employees and where the layout of the cafeteria does not allow for social distancing. It has been illegal forever in to, France. Are they afraid they'll work too hard? Lunch. Is that the problem? <laughs> At your desk. I was going to go I there. Think but I think what they're afraid of is that you will not support the small local bistro. Uh. It is very common for them, uh, for the French people, to take a lunch break. I do like that. Uh, yeah. That's what they call business. it. I'm going to butcher this. But I'm going to try it. La patisserie. No, la pause de janour. That's that not, that's not, that's not bad. Sounds, you should probably stick with investments, but it's, uh, yeah, it well, wasn't I mean, bad. Yeah, I, I will stick with investments. <laughs> um, I'm from the south of France, if, you, if y'all can't tell. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's uh, I, I was just blown away. If you've got an office with over 50 people, you can't. Yeah, I think anyone. That's but why productivity over there is always so off the charts. Well, you know, I've yeah. been to France before, and they always have. I mean, we were on vacation, so I wasn't working over there. But yeah. you have. Neither were they. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to go there, but touche. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the the lunches are these long, elaborate, oh, yeah. three hour plus affairs, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't know if it's like that. Every day for the average working Joe over there, but that yeah, well, that it's sounds, still you know, it's kind of like if y'all have ever been to Spain before, they have oh, siestas yeah. Yeah, in the now. middle of the day. So mm-hmm. we need to have lunch, take a long nap for three we, hours. Yeah. Sign me to, up yeah. for that. Why do we have to be founded by the the, the Puritan prudes <laughs> really? over here just My working too hard? I think we should start a revolution here. All right, so Siestas. you know maybe maybe it's not so much a dog of the week. <laughs> We're yeah. the dog of the week. Well, yeah, that's I think so. We, the U.S. This might have society. turned in an uh, unintended direction. Yeah. But all right, we started out pointing our finger at someone else, and here we are, the dog. <laughs> all right, well let's uh, get to some financial discussion. We've got a, a situation we wanted to talk about this week. Uh, Henry and Amy uh, in their mid fifties. Um, both have kids by previous marriages, but uh, they were they were married later in life, and both have come into the marriage with a majority of their retirement funds in their respective 401ks. Not a real uncommon occurrence, right? This is a uh, KC. You probably could elaborate, but uh, you know they've got retirement about 10 years away uh, for Amy, and um, 
And they're getting a little more worried about the risk that they're taking in their plans. So uh, when they were younger, they kept putting money in the 401ks, sticking with the broad market funds. As they got older, they dabbled in target date funds. But in the past few years, uh, with a long bull market, it was hard to make a poor decision. Uh, anything you bought seemed to go yeah. up, right? Uh, now that retirement is around the corner, they're really looking at how long uh, can the market keep moving up. I think that's a question a lot of folks are asking themselves this yep. day. Uh, are they taking too much risk? There is such animal as that. Uh, and then these accounts are their primary retirement funds. Sounds like it's uh, everything uh, with a 401k being, uh, you know, their their biggest asset. And uh, should they keep looking at it? at a Roth option if it's available. And and that if is one that, Justin, you probably run into quite a bit. Um, yes. Yeah, with That's folks. one of my most common questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, why don't we start? I think this is a good point because most people we see, the largest asset outside of their home is often their retirement plan. Right. Right. So I'd say that Henry and Amy are not that much different than most people we see. Majority of their wealth is tied up in the 401k. Right. Yeah. Now, um, you know, once you get to 10 years or, or wherever that number is close to retirement, so many people make the mistake. They think, all right, I need to get really aggressive with my investments to try and make up for maybe lost time or missed savings. I got to ramp this up. Well, the government does allow you to save more money. They allow you to save more, correct, which is important. Right. Now, for 2020 and now for 2021, the limits are unchanged. If you're under the age of 50, you can save 19500 If you're over 50, you're allowed what's called a catch-up contribution, which can take your total contributions to 26 Okay? Right. Now, if you make enough money or have enough to be able to max it out, please do so. But... What I see a lot of people do as they get closer is they get too aggressive with their investments right. and not aggressive enough with their saving. Right. Yeah. So instead of trying to make up for lost time or save more money, instead of trying to just save as much as they can to get to the max, they may get too aggressive and pick a small cap fund or a national fund, and then they get burned. Do yeah. you see any of that, Casey? Yeah, I do. And I think that um, you, know, you make a, a, a great point. The, the savings in anything the investments can only do so much for you you know and uh, more important than trying to juice your returns is to save as much as you can that's right. where you're, you're going to get plus if you get a if you get an employer match or, or a profit sharing contribution i mean mm-hmm. that's that's free money so you might as well take that's advantage just of that on top right right so, on top you know the the other thing kind of that i see a lot of times is when there's a situation like this it's, it's you know, a lot of this money is probably pre-tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mentioned the Roth in here. If that's an option available to them, they may want to consider putting saving some of that money to a Roth just to diversify. You know, we talk about diversification all the time with the investments, but it's also important to diversify your tax location and make sure that you've got, you know, some some pre-tax money, some Roth money. I mean, let's face it, interest or tax rates are as low as they've been in a while. Yep. Probably not going lower. I don't know that they'll go higher. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But if tax rates are going to be higher in the future, then that Roth does do you some good today mm-hmm. to, to put it in. You know, go ahead and pay the tax now. Get it in. Get it growing tax-free, so that when you go to pull it out, you're not having to pay as you know tax on that. I'm, on I'm, that I'm really glad that you brought that up because this is something that we talk about a lot: is the pre-tax versus the Roth. Yeah. And you know, I, as I'll tell people here on air, I I don't want to oversimplify it, but based on what you're making now. If you think you'll be in a higher bracket or making more in retirement, you don't want your money taxed then, yeah. right? You want to tax now. 
So the Roth would likely be the best bet. Yeah. Right. And if you say, hey, I'm making enough money now that I'll likely be in a lower bracket or making less money in retirement, I'd rather pay taxes on my money then. So yeah. pre-tax right. is, is the best route. Now, exactly. there are ways you can do both within your sure. plan. If you're not sure, you know, you can save if your plan does offer a Roth component and a lot don't. Yeah. So if you are in a plan that doesn't offer a Roth, you should really try and plead with the plan sponsor. So whomever you work for, say, hey, we really need a Roth option in my plan, in, in our plan, because that can be a big benefit. Yeah, and you see that more often than you would think, right? Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good to have some diversification there. Um, even even taxable, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- that's another important thing, too. I mean, especially if you're, if you're planning to retire before you know, 55 or 59 and a half, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, where the money is, uh, you could pay a penalty when you go to take this money out. So if you don't have another bucket to pull from an after tax bucket to save, so it's good to save in an after tax account as well, because it, you know, you ideally want to let the money in the retirement account grow tax deferred or tax free as long as you can. That's when you'll get the most benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you mentioned earlier, Justin, about, you know, not knowing, a lot of people say, how am I going to be in a higher tax bracket when I'm retired? Because I'm not working anymore. I don't have any more income. Well, your investments actually can cause you to have income. That's exactly right. And so, you know, that pre-tax money at 72 now, it used to be 70 and a half. Now at 72, you have to start taking mandatory withdrawals from your 401k, IRA, you know, whatever, your pre-tax dollars so that the government can get their tax you money. Know, especially for a lot of our younger listeners on the phone. Yeah. I mean, if you're in your 20s and 30s, when, you, when you're making less than you likely will when you're in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, this is the time to save that Roth money because you're, you're in the lowest bracket right now yeah. that you will likely ever be in. And if you save, you think about it, if you make 40000 a year, you save from 25 to 65 yeah. All right, and you assume 8% on that money, that's over a million and a half dollars by the time you retire. Right. So that's... That's a big deal. Yeah, um, the the uh, magic of compounding oh, crazy. Uh, is is on your side. The younger you are, the faster you start, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. yeah. So saving anything, I mean, even the, Henry and Amy are only ten years away from retirement or so. But uh, you know, the younger you are, the even if you can save a thousand dollars a year, every little hundred dollars a month, whatever, yeah. every little bit is gonna is gonna be compounded. And that's huge. Absolutely. Well, guys, let's take a real quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some more finance. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. Lowering interest rates cannot stop stop the sharp drop in economic activity caused by closures and other forms of social distancing. When the world changes, know what to do. This This is is Money Talks. All right, we're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Justin Wagner. And uh, we've been talking about a a situation with a couple who are nearing retirement. Uh, If you have financial questions you would like for us to answer on the air, we'd love to hear from you. If you can give us a call on our question hotline, 1-855-429-9166 is the number. Uh, You will call. You'll get our message. uh, Leave yours right behind it at the beep. Um, 
we will take your question, uh, record it, play it on the air, and answer right behind it. If you prefer instead to talk to a human being, you can call 770-429-9166 and ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn, and uh, she will take down your question, get it to us, and we'll answer it on the air as well. Uh, another popular way is to email us, and that email address is d, uh, dr. com, spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, or you can go to our website. If you're more of a do-it-yourself type, you can uh, read lots of information there and uh, take action to um, get yourself set up financially for the long term. Um, guys, uh, we were... Talking about 401k, uh, got a couple who are nearing retirement, a little bit concerned about uh, the risk being taken in their portfolio. Justin, you've made the point that uh, you often see people trying to stretch a little bit, get a little riskier at the end of their uh, um, work career, trying to make sure that they have saved enough. Not really the plan. That's that's not a good idea. Although saving more would be an absolutely awesome idea right correct yeah so put more to work and if you're young and you think oh well this is just a bunch of old people talking about stodgy things to do well first of all you guys aren't old i'll take it myself i'm a little old uh a little just a little um but the the fact is um if you start saving while you're young you will be so much far farther ahead uh, late in life, uh, especially for retirement, you're, you're going to uh, really appreciate the fact that you had done that. You know, it comes back to the, to the rule of 72. We talk about this a lot. But if you start saving in your 20s and by the time you get to 50, if you have a couple hundred thousand dollars saved up, if you get a 7% return annualized for 10 years, your money doubles every 10 years, right? Yeah. So by the time you go from 50 to 60, 60 to 70, you know, you get two doubles in there. Yeah. And that can really make a big difference. Yeah, yeah. absolutely huge. Yeah, no doubt. Well, guys, um, <clears throat> in in uh, looking at this, um, there's quite a few questions that come up. First of all, how do you invest? I mean, within your within your portfolio, Justin, you already told us, don't take a bunch of risk when you're older. But, you know, as you go along, probably the most popular thing these days is a target date fund. That's right. Is that really the best way to do it? It seems like the easiest way. I mean, if you don't have a lot of knowledge. It, it is definitely the easiest way. And, you know, so many people who get involved in 401ks have know nothing about investing. And right. that's why I think target dates make a lot of sense for most people, especially when they're younger, because it gets them invested. Right. It gets them saving and they don't have to worry and, and stress out about their investments. Right. It takes care of it for them. Yeah. So that makes sense. But once you really start to get to that five to 10 years from retirement, that's when you really need to start thinking about, you know, honing in your your asset allocation. Right. And a lot of these target date funds, they're not all created equal. Right. Some of them have more bonds. Some of them have more equities. I've seen a lot of funds lately that have up to 30 to 40 percent international exposure in equities. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah. And that doesn't really jive with our recommendation to clients. So we have to be careful when we're making recommendations on these target date funds that it makes sense for the client. Yeah, right. I think right. that's the important thing is to you really look at your specific situation because a target date fund is a sort of one-size-fits-all type of, of investment, which may or may not apply to your specific situation. If, if you 
or someone who's, you know, 10 years from retirement, you know, we, our philosophy as everyone who's probably listening to this show knows the 10 year rule, any money that you need in the next 10 years from your investment portfolio, you should have in bonds, fixed income, things that are paying a fixed rate of, of return to you. Um, lower volatility, low volatility, yeah. not subjected to the, the ups and downs of the stock market, but anything you don't need in the next 10 years probably should be in the stock market. That's where you're going to get your return over a long period of time. Right. Most of it's going to come from, from equities. Well, the target date funds, you know, they, they're all over the board, as Justin has already mentioned. You might be in a, a 2050 target date fund, and some of them are, you know, 60% in, in stocks, and some of them maybe 80% in stocks, and there's just, they're all different, so you really have to know what you need. Um, but, you know, we also have to look at your cash flow and in retirement, and that's where the planning comes in because, you know, maybe you've got a pension and maybe you're, you don't spend much. Maybe Social Security covers the majority of what you need to spend, and that allows you to be more aggressive with your investment allocation because you don't need as much of the money in the next 10 years. So you could be a little bit more aggressive than what the target date fund is going to, to put you in. Uh, or the flip side, maybe you need more than the target. target That's a perfect has. example because, I mean, we have clients I know that we've we've referred to over to P&I that are getting – very close to retirement. They're in a target date fund that's 50% equities and 50% bonds. Right. But they have so much money outside the plan that they don't need any exposure, quite frankly, to the right. bonds. They need because they don't need the money. Right. So if they don't need the money, we recommend primarily equity exposure. So that's a perfect example where a target date fund does not make sense for that person. Right. But a lot of people in 401ks, and this is where I got to make sure I plug this in. If it weren't for target date funds, they'd be in cash. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely so, it's better than cash, no doubt. Yeah. And, and I think it the is. The balance you know, option used to be the default in most 401k right. plans. Now yeah. it is a, a target most, date. Most QDIAs, for, for those listening, a QDIA is your qualified default investment alternative within your plan. So that's something the Department of Labor mandates that if you go in and don't pick any fund, you're going to be defaulted into X fund. So right. most plans that we work with, we make the default fund, the target date series, because that is the most proper default option at this time. Right. Yeah. And and like we said, it's something that is, if you don't know much about investing or don't want to fool with it and have to go in and, and adjust your allocation periodically, then it's a, it's a fine option. But if you really want to kind of fine-tune things and optimize for your specific situation, then there may be alternatives, and, and that's where you kind of look at your planning, your cash flow, where, where, where do you need the money to come from and when. Yeah, it's a and great point. Uh, how do you determine how much you need to save and how much you should be saving on a on a regular week-to-week basis? That's the basis, other right? question, right, is how much do you save? Because, you know, maybe you can't afford to max out your plan every year, or maybe you could max it out, but you want to have a little bit of, you know, we talked about the diversification earlier and having a little bit of money in an after-tax savings or after-tax investment account as well as your 401k. So there's... It all depends on your situation and, and you know, what you can afford cash flow Most people wise. can't afford to max out a 401k. Right. And, and that's why we always try to use that 10 to 15% number. You know, if you're in a plan and you really want to get to a number that feels good for you and is actually going to hit what we call for retirement outcomes or income replacement. Right. So replacing around 80% of your income, we found 10 to 15% of your income saved over time 
can get you to that 80% income replacement number. Over a long Over a long period of time. That's correct. You know, if you start doing this at 55 and you're going to retire in 10 years, you're that's, that's not going to work, right? Yeah. But if you're looking at 20, 30, 40 years, saving 10 to 15% of your income, and then if you get a match from the company that's just a cherry on top, right. I mean... In, in my, all my years of doing this, no one has ever come and said, gee, Justin, I saved way too much money in my 401k. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that yeah, won't no, happen. That has not happened yet. Right. Yeah. So, so what, what, where did you get the 80% number? Is that because you're trying to you figure Social Security and other income Correct. sources will cover that, the other? That's the exactly right. And, and if you look at it, at the end of the day, it, it's all relative. Whether you're making 50000 you're making 500000 10 to 15% yeah. of your income Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all relative. Right. And at the end of the day, if you are maxing out the 401k and you're putting in the 19.5 or the 26, good for you. You don't have to stop there. Yeah. You can open up a taxable brokerage account and invest that way. Um, but a lot of people will say, well, if I no longer work for this company, can I still contribute to the 401k? The only way you can contrib- contribute to 401k is through payroll deduction. That yeah. is it. Right. Yeah. So the answer is no. So, no, you yeah. cannot. All right. Um, the uh, the other thing that we probably ought to flesh out a little bit is uh, that 80% also assumes that there are some expenses that you have while you're working that, that would disappear. be reduced in right. in retirement, right? And yeah, that's yeah. I, that's where I think you know Casey and his team can come in a lot too with the planning. But by the time you get to retirement, your hope is your home's paid off, you know, kids have moved out, you have a lot of expenses that you had while you were working and accumulating that have disappeared. And that's kind of the, the popular belief is that your your expenses go down when you retire. But what, what we actually find in reality is for most people, at least our clients, when they retire, they've got time on their hands, they can travel, <laughs> they can do things. So expenses actually go, go up, up for a few years right after retirement. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, you know, Ratchet trickle back to the, a little bit and, yeah. and trip, trickle back to the norm. But. Yeah. And then you have to assume, too, do you have a pension or not? Right. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of things. And yeah, Social the, Security the income sources are, are extremely important as well. Yeah, so no doubt. All right. Well, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll talk some more finance. I... For one, absolutely cannot wait. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. the spread of the virus have brought much of the economy to an abrupt halt. Many businesses have closed. People have been asked to stay home. Your money, your money is on the line. Is on the line. Money talk. Money talk is on the air. We're back. Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Justin Wagner, and we've been talking about 401ks and how much to save and how to save and. Uh, diversification. Oh, it sounds like a We're just financial hitting, hitting radio show, don't it? It's hard to believe. Yeah. How about that? Every once in a while we have one of those. <laughs> once in a while. Maybe once a week is what I'd like <laughs> to try for. Um, all right. Well, if uh, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. Our question hotline number is one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. 429 You'll call in. You'll get our voicemail at the beep. Leave your voicemail. Um 
including your question. We'll play the question on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, if you prefer instead to talk to a human being, you can call 770-429-9166. Ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn. She'll take down your question and get it to us, and we'll answer it on the air. Uh, the other way is via email. Dr. Gene at Hensler.com is the email address. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, you can also go to our website, Hensler.com. There's lots and lots of information that uh, we create for uh, for content there, and our marketing department does an awesome job uploading that for your viewing pleasure. We'd love to uh, be able to answer your question in one way or the other. And, oh, by the way, that number, 770-429-9166, is how you can reach Justin Wagner, uh, if you have retirement questions, uh, whether it be your own or if you've got a business uh, and you're looking to um, provide that benefit for your employees, he'd love to talk to you. Uh, Casey Smith is uh, works in our planning and implementation department. If you've got a financial planning question, he would be your guy as well. That's right. There you go. All right. So, um, yeah, always give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. We're lonely. Give us a call. Not really quite that bad, but I have to say, busy. Yeah. Lonely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. we still like to talk to people, right? That's right. All That's right. true. We'll make time for you. Don't worry. That's right. Even if we are busy, we'll work a little late. It's been All right. Done before. So we've got a question here from Armin from Atlanta. Has it done before? Uh, French. Did I mention that? He said, he said, yeah, we don't take lunch like that. <laughs> uh, can I sell my franchise business? I got into owning my business later in life, so there has never been any intent to pass down the business to family. I bought a franchise because it was easy. Now I want to retire in a few years, and I really don't know where to start. Yeah, so, I mean, if you think about it, the same reason that, that you bought your franchise is probably the same reason someone else might want to buy a franchise because it is generally, it's easier. You know, a lot of the, the branding is already there for you, the reputation, the logo, all of the kind of operations. They have processes and procedures in place, so it is relatively easy to take over a franchise as opposed to starting a brand-new business from scratch. Right. And so it, from that standpoint, it can be... Uh, easier to transact in a franchise. The, I guess on the on the flip side of that, the franchisor is going to be heavily involved in this decision and the transaction, and they're going to want to know a lot about what's going on. They're probably going to have to approve your the, whoever you're selling it to um, to make sure that they're qualified and and have, meet their requirements for uh, owning a franchise that you know com complies with their standards. And they often actually have a facility that allows you to sell it through them. They might find a, a buyer for you, right? Yeah, they they very well may. And and so a lot of the kind of exit planning, if you will, is is often done through the franchisor. They have you know, especially if it's a larger franchise like a, you know, a fast food chain or something like that, they a lot of it can be done through them and and that's you know, that's a benefit to you as the business owner cuz that's a, a significant component of it. If if they don't have anything like that, you're welcome to reach out to us. Troy and his group, uh, they they can probably tell you what your business is worth. Right. We do um, business valuation engagements quite frequently. Absolutely. And then, you know, as far as, as my team is concerned, we, we help look at the kind of exit strategy 
preferably, you know, three to five years before you're actually right, thinking in about advance. doing this. Yeah, it sounds like he might be a little bit far along in the process, yeah. looking to sell already. Possibly so. But, I mean, it, you know, it, it does say that um, studies have indicated that selling your your franchise kind of earlier on is tends to give, bring you a higher price than if you were to, you know, kind of uh, have it be on the market for a little while. And so trying to new, – new listings tend to motivate potential buyers. Same reason that, that Armin, you know, probably got into the business uh, again someone's going to want to jump on that probably so uh it's definitely something that can be sold and and i would probably start with the franchise or they'd be a great resource yeah casey uh, just a little bit about that exit plan you talked about i i think one of the things that uh is the main focus when you're dealing with that is trying to create as much value as possible within yeah. the business and even for a franchise i mean they usually have uh, a territory that uh, comes along with uh, with the franchise license, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but within that territory, it, it, the the world's kind of your oyster as long as it stays within that territory. Yeah, which means that you can you have some autonomy to uh, operate your business, so you can actually do things that would generate more value, right? Yeah, and that's a, a big component of the you know exit planning that we do. It's really you know there's a three leg component to it there's the personal you have to make sure your personal financial situation is in order and you're ready to retire the market is the second leg and that there is a market for your business which a franchise is is more marketable i guess because like we've already talked about there's lots of support there's lots of support there and then the third one is is your business ready to be sold and that's kind of the that's what takes the most time is to kind of prepare the business and, and get it to a valuation that you're comfortable with and, and happy with and that can support you for the next stage of your life and the next step. So Yeah, but the earlier you think about how you're going to leave this business, yeah. whether it be to family members, uh, current employee, which still might be, uh, you know, an option for, uh, for Armin, Sure. In this situation, but uh, reality is, the sooner you think about this, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, it ma makes your options a lot more open and flexible if the sooner you start planning for it. So, you know, I, I'm, hopefully Armin has already thought a little bit about it, and um, you know, we'd be happy to to speak with him further if he's got questions or. or Concerns. There you go. And that number again, 770-429-9166. Uh, if you find yourself in a situation where you're looking to uh, transition your business to a new owner and uh, maybe retire or just move on to the next venture, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we've got another question here. Jay Dean from Atlanta asks, I'm interested in your opinions on Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, uh, as a freelance artist, I've supplemented my work doing jobs on Fiverr. Uh, Fiverr, yeah, listen to me. Uh, now with the big game advertising, would this make for a good investment? Um, the the ticker here is F V R R. Fiverr is a they operate an online marketplace worldwide uh, platform and enables sellers to sell their services and buyers to buy them. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not the the goods that we normally see. This, in fact, is uh, services that are provided. Um, the gig economy at work here. Exactly. So uh, if you think about what this company does, it's it's actually operates in the U.S., but it's uh, Tel Aviv, Israel-based. Um, the company just went public recently, uh, June of 2019. 
they do have negative earnings, which is not uncommon for a lot of these new businesses, especially those that are relatively recent IPOs, um, initial public offerings. So they've just recently gone public, if you will. Um, it's not uncommon to see a situation just as Fiverr's got. Um, revenue growth almost 43% on an annualized basis. They've got an operating profit margin that's negative 30%, so it's not profitable at all yet. But so I wouldn't would would you say that meets our criteria? Then? <clears throat> no, it's probably not going to re gonna meet the uh, Hensler financial criteria for investment based we actually on actually have to have earnings. Right? Financial strength and safety, yeah, it's you crazy as that you're is. usually going to have to have earnings. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, even with the negative earnings, uh, if you think about this, forty three percent growth in revenue. Uh, if they can turn the corner and generate a profit. Uh, their expected long-term growth in earnings, which is like a three- to five-year number, is about 150%. But careful on the math, because if you do 150% of zero or a negative number, you get more negative. No money. Or you get zero. Right. So the, the, it's, a, it's a risky proposition. This is what I would call a speculation. If you believe they truly have uh, some special place in the in the future then you probably can get there um but if you look at what you're paying for the growth in what we call a peg rate which is our peg ratio which is a forward pe divided by the expected growth you're still paying dearly at 6.26 times where we like to see them is in uh in the range of one i did like the super bowl ad though Hey, I mean, there's a lot. If of you like the like business so much, use it. You don't have to buy the stock. That's absolutely true. It doesn't always make a great investment. Yep. All right, guys, mark it up or down next week. Mark it up. Up. I'm saying up too. It's quorum. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.